when I was younger and all the different traditions that we had and how my parents would teach us, you know, what the different symbols of our faith meant. And as Pastor Clanton said, you know, the different decorations that we have, they remind us of who we are and where we came from in our faith journey. And I remember gathering around as a family and lighting the Advent wreath each week in anticipation as it got closer and closer to Christmas and just how we were so excited about it. And as I got older, I could see how it reminded me of our Savior and Jesus' mission. So as I said, if you haven't heard those messages or if you'd like to listen to them again, you can always go on our website at woodland.church and our app and re-listen. So there's so many wonderful Christmas messages that have been given in the past from leaders of our church that have been foundational to the church. Um, And I titled my message, The Christ of Christmas, which was a Christmas message title of Billy Graham's in his 2005 message. And it was Reverend Graham's desire, and it's my desire that you know the Christ of Christmas and that you keep your eyes and your hearts focused on Jesus because he is all that you will ever need. And so tonight I want to talk about Reverend Billy Graham and I want to share some thoughts on Christmas and some of his thoughts on Christmas. I've had the honor of speaking many times to his son Franklin. Um, I've also talked to his daughter Ann Graham Lotz and one of his granddaughters. And every single one of them had nothing but good things to say about him. And actually, a funny story is that Ann Graham Lotz has mentioned several times that Billy Graham has always said in interviews that she is the best preacher in the family. So she has that going for her. And I have a dear friend who is a retired Detroit police officer, and now he's a pastor in the community. And he actually, on YouTube, if you look it up, he actually spoke in 1976 at one of Billy Graham's crusades at the Pontiac Silverdome. And he was in his police uniform sharing the gospel. And it was such an awesome thing to see. Um, And so if you want to see that, I can give you the information on that later on. Um, And then there's also a great biography book written about Billy Graham by Pastor Greg Laurie called Billy Graham, The Man I Knew. And so that's such a great uh, story because he's a really good friend. He was really good friends with Billy Graham. And so Billy Graham was born on November 7th, 1918, four days before the end of World War I. And he was born in North Carolina. Like many during his time, he grew up during the Depression, which taught him the value of hard work on the family farm. From an early age, he loved to read. And in 1934, at the age of 15 years old, he made a personal commitment to Christ through the ministry of a traveling evangelist who visited near his hometown. And and that began his ministry that we all know and love so well. In 1949, he led a crusade in Los Angeles that launched him into prominence nationally and internationally. And it was supposed to be a three-week crusade, and it turned into a more than eight-week crusade. And it saw so many people placing their trust in Jesus as their Savior. And it's very interesting that, as I talked about Pastor Greg Laurie being good friends with him, and uh, Billy Graham was one of his mentors, um, Uh, Pastor Greg Laurie still does that today. He uh, usually gets Angel Stadium in California, and he has these crusades every year. 
and they've actually been even multiplying to different uh, towns as well. And so he is going and taking over for where Billy Graham left off. So he was married to his wife, Ruth, for nearly 64 years, and together they had three daughters, two sons, 19 grandchildren, 44 great-grandchildren, and nine great-great-grandchildren. And so as we know, Reverend Graham met face-to-face with our Savior when he passed away on February 21st, 2018. But he left such a lasting impression on so many people, and he touched so many lives of all these people with the gospel that he preached. Billy Graham is regularly listed by many organizations as one of the 10 most admired men in the world. And so this is very true. Billy Graham has preached to more than anybody, to more people in history than anybody else. And we know that um, he began so many different revivals and his crusades, and there were so many people that have crossed the line into the faith of Jesus through Billy Graham's ministry. And so one thing that we know from Billy Graham's life is that he knew the true meaning of Christmas, and he knew the Christ of Christmas. And it was his desire that all that he came in contact with knew the Christ of Christmas as well. And so we can learn from his wisdom. We can learn from his timeless words. And it can help us as we continue to enjoy and celebrate the Christmas season here. And so one thing that we can learn from Reverend Billy Graham about Christmas is not to lose the meaning or the sight of the meaning of Christmas. Billy Graham said, I'm afraid many people today have lost sight of the original meaning of Christmas. Instead, it has become more and more secular and commercialized, focusing mainly on gift-giving or holiday parties or family gathering. These aren't necessarily wrong, he said, but far too often we lose sight of the true meaning of Christmas, and we fail to reflect on the greatest Christmas gift of all, God's gift of his Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. I read about a minister who was driving to church one Christmas morning on a Sunday with his family. And as they're driving along, his young son asked him a question. He said, Dad, are you going to allow us to enjoy Christmas this morning or are you going to explain it? (laughs) And when I saw that and I read that, I thought to myself, that is my kids with me. Several times I start explaining things. I get a text from one of them or I get one of those rolling eyes from somebody. I know I've kind of gone into deep waters. (laughs) And so sometimes I feel the need to over-explain things, but I think with Christmas, it's not too bad to to maybe over-explain a little bit because I think there's good reason for this. Because it seems that so many in today's world underemphasize the meaning of Christmas, and it causes us to miss that meaning of Christmas, or it misses, or it helps us, or makes us miss understanding the Christ of Christmas. I think we would do well not to just explain Christmas, but to experience Christmas in a real way as we experience Jesus Christ this Christmas season. The true meaning of Christmas is love. John 3.16 says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I love what Rick Warren said. He said, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus on a mission of love with a message of love. 
Christmas is a yearly reminder that God loves you. The Bible says God is love. It doesn't say God has love. It says God is love. Love is in his nature. God is love. Amen? Now, this is an incredible act of love that we should be able to celebrate, and we should celebrate it. When we understand that Christ is the reason that we celebrate Christmas, all of our other relationships that Billy Graham talked about before, we can do better. We can love better. You know, all of the uh, family gatherings that we go to, the Christmas parties, the fellowship with other believers at church, spending time with families and friends will be so much better when we have Jesus in our lives. I remember growing up and watching Christmas movies. You know, we would watch The Christmas Story or It's a Wonderful Life or all of the old Rudolph and Santa movies, which really, if you have streaming TV, you really can't watch those anymore without paying and renting for them. We used to watch them for free back in the day. But if you remember like the Rudolph and Santa movies and we went to go get the Christmas tree with the family. And I remember my dad was always, him and I were kind of always going, oh, wonder what mom's going to get this year because she would always get the biggest tree and want the biggest tree and then we'd have to haul it home and then me and my dad would be in the backyard and we'd have to cut half of it off for it to fit in our living room but we enjoyed it (laughs) it was happy grumbling I think so we used to do that we used to go and get that and seeing family throughout Christmas and New Year's week I remember going and visiting everybody but the greatest time of Christmas is hearing the greatest love story ever the story of God becoming human a human being in the person of Jesus Christ because God loves us and we need a Savior. What could be more joyful and worth celebrating than this, that Jesus, the Son of God, humbled himself, took on flesh to become a baby and he dwelt among us and he lived for us and he died for our sins. His purpose was to be the Savior of all mankind, taking the punishment that we all deserve, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of sins, so that we can find our way back to God. How amazing is that? How can we not celebrate Christmas because of that? You know, it's because of God's love that he had for us and the gift of what God did for us. And so in turn, because of that, we can remember Jesus' birth by giving each other gifts. We can enjoy our time with each other. We can enjoy worshiping him with one another. And we can also give to those that are less fortunate than us. And so Billy Graham in his Christmas message at the White House in 1973 said that he believed that the Christmas message can be summed up in three words, a cradle, a cross, and the crown. And so let's take a look at these. First, we see the cradle. It was on this first Christmas that the Word of God tells us about the angel coming to those fearful shepherds and saying to them, Don't be afraid, he said. I will bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And then in Luke 2, 12, it says, And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of of cloth lying in a manger. So imagine this scene. These shepherds were working, and all of a sudden, the shining presence of an angel appears before them and the glory of the Lord is being spoken by him and it's interrupting their time that they had, their quiet, dark night, but it was interrupting them with a message of hope, a hope that they needed to hear. They were no doubt afraid, but their fear 
turned to calm when the angel told them to fear not. And so as we read through the Christmas story, we see that fear not is a theme of the Christmas story. In Luke 1.14, John's father, Zacharias, was told to fear not, your prayer was heard. In Luke 1.30, an angel told Mary, fear not, you have found favor with God. In Matthew 1.20, Joseph was told, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for what that which she is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then here in Luke 2.10, the shepherds were told not to fear because the angel brings good news. He brings the gospel to them. And that will bring joy to all people. And so God tells them to fear not because he is in control. And there's no reason to fear because God resolves problems. We all love getting messages or notes or even sometimes mail, unless it's bills, of course. But there's something about a personalized note or a letter. I remember when I was younger and Santa used to write us letters with our name on it. How cool was that? You know, or at work, when I get my yearly letter from the owner of the company, you know, with my name on it, thanking me for another year of service to the company. It's something special to get acknowledged personally by someone. And so one thing that I love about this passage of Scripture is that the angel that appeared to these shepherds announced the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, to them personally. He said to them, I bring to you good news that will bring great joy to the world. And so we bring to you the good news of the gospel. The message from heaven is that God is interested in each and every one of us individually. He knows us each by name, and he cares about each and every one of us. When Jesus came down from heaven into this world, he came to be the Savior of the world, but he came to be your Savior, and we can rejoice in that. We can be happy in that. Billy Graham said, During World War II, many a mother would help her children remember their father who was away at war. And he said one mother that Billy Graham heard about took her son every single day into the bedroom and showed him a large portrait of his father. One day the little boy said, Mom, wouldn't it be great if Dad could just step out of the frame? That's what happened the first Christmas. For centuries, people had been looking to the heavens, longing for God to step out of the frame. And at Bethlehem, that's exactly what God did. Remember I talked about watching Christmas movies when I was younger, and I have to mention one of the greatest theologians of all time, and that's Linus Van Pelt from the cartoon Peanuts. If you remember, Linus kind of seemed to be a deep thinker, and usually he was the voice of reason among his friends. And who remembers his wonderful Christmas speech in A Charlie Brown Christmas when good old Chuck Brown said, is there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? I oftentimes ask myself that question as well. But then we see Linus get in the spotlight, and he presents the gospel message. Linus didn't have to yell at Charlie Brown. Linus didn't have to get in Charlie Brown's face. He walked forward, gave the message of the gospel, and said, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And so Christmas begins with the cradle. 
Max Lucado writes, Christmas begins what Easter celebrates. The child in the cradle becomes the king on the cross. And so the second thing is the cross. Billy Graham said, for Christmas to have meaning, it cannot be separated from the cross. In Matthew 121, it says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In John 18, 37, Jesus said before his death to Pilate, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1.15, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. So Jesus had a purpose. Jesus had a mission, and that was to fulfill God's plan of saving the lost. A writer wrote this, Jesus was born and placed in a manger in Bethlehem so that one day he would die on a wooden cross in Jerusalem. The soft, tiny hands that clung to the Virgin Mary would one day be pierced through by sharp, sharp iron sparks, spikes. The infant's brow, tenderly caressed by Joseph, would years later be brutally punctured by a crown of thorns. Newborn tears would in the future give way to soul-wrenching cries of anguish at Gethsemane and Calvary. Here's the point. Christmas cannot truly be understood apart from the cross. Our meditations on the cradle must always find their way to the cross. Billy Graham also said, I would preach more on the cross of Christ and the blood because that is where the power is. And that is so true. My daughters and I went to my mom's house a couple weeks ago and we helped her put up and decorate her Christmas tree. And we had such a fun time doing it. Um, and then in a couple weeks, that Christmas tree and everybody else's Christmas tree will have a lot of presents underneath it. And so it had me thinking what one pastor said is that the cross is God's Christmas tree. I think the beauty of a Christmas tree, and I think about pastor talking about the Christmas tree in Sunday's messages, in Sunday's message, and the gift that God gave us is so much better than any Christmas present we could ever imagine that was under our Christmas tree. It reminds me of a little boy who was very brutally honest when he wrote a thank you note to his aunt for a Christmas present that she sent him. And he wrote, Thank you for the Christmas present you sent to me. The present you sent to me for Christmas was almost as good as the one I really wanted. And I'm here to tell you tonight that when God gave us his Christmas present in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, he gave us a greater gift than we could ever imagine or that we could ever have wanted because Jesus is all that I need. God's Christmas tree is the cross of Christ. It does not have fancy balls or tinsel around it or the lights, but under God's Christmas tree, the cross of Christ, there's so many wonderful gifts that he has given to us. The first thing is peace. He has given us peace. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
There's the gift of peace for anyone who will receive it because underneath God's Christmas tree lays the gift of eternal life that is found in Christ Jesus. Secondly, we have access to God. Through him, we have always obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And that's in Romans 5.2. Speaking of access to God, Pastor Greg Laurie wrote this about uh, Billy Graham. He said, when I first was getting to know Billy Graham, he invited me to his home in North Carolina. Going to the home of Billy Graham was better in my estimation than going to the Oval Office because to me, he was the greatest evangelist who ever lived. As a young evangelist back then, I was so impressed by everything I took it all in. When I talked to him, I could address him, I would address him as Dr. Graham. But he'd say, don't call me Dr. Graham, just call me Billy. It was hard for me to call him Billy. I had so much respect for him, and it felt way too personal. But I finally got around to calling him that. His children, however, would call him by an even more intimate name of Daddy. In the South, parents are Daddy and Mama, not Mother and Father or even Mom and Dad. Billy's grandkids called him Daddy Bill, much like I called my grandfather Daddy Charles because he and Mama Stella were from Arkansas. Now, I didn't have the right to call him Daddy Bill, but I did have his permission to call him Billy. That was because of our relationship. In the same way, we have that relationship with God and we have that type of access to him. Because remember, in Luke eleven two, 2, when Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is God Almighty, yet we have him on speed dial. We have his private number, and we can access him any time we want. We are his children, and he loves us, and he wants to hear from us. He wants us to spend time with him. He wants to spend time with us. It's never drudgery. It's never something that, oh, it's Keith again. No, it's always a delight, and we should feel the same way about him. Amen? The third thing is we have hope. In Romans 5, 2, again, it says, We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have a blessed hope. Billy Graham once said, The greatest need in our world today is the need for hope. And that still rings true today. He said, We thrive on hope. We rejoice in hope. We witness hope, knowing that experience works hope. Happy is he whose hope is in the Lord his God. Psalm 146, 5 says. So there is hope. For our future, it's centered in the person of Jesus Christ who died for our sins and rose from the grave and is alive now. The fourth thing is love. John 3.16, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Billy Graham said that this is his favorite Bible verse. And he said that most of his crusades, he would always preach on this the first night because he said it's the gospel in the nutshell. And then fifth, we have the greatest gift of all, the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5 5 says, And this hope, there's hope again, will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. A wonderful result of hope is delivered by the Holy Spirit of God. He gives us the power to hope, and that is a demonstration of God's love for us. 
Hope given by him works together to give us confidence, to give us joy, to give us peace, to give us power, and to give us love. And that is a true gift. The third is the crown. Reverend Graham wrote, Chiseled into the cornerstone of the United Nations building is a quotation from the Bible that has not yet been fulfilled. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah 2.4 And so Reverend Graham had cautioned us not to take this Bible verse out of context and that this passage from Isaiah speaks of a time when the Messiah will reign over the whole earth. That is what Jesus spoke about when he taught his disciples what's known as the Lord's Prayer when he said, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the whole purpose of Christ's coming is summarized on the cross. And so the cradle represents the beginning of the Christmas story. The cross represents the main body of the Christmas story. And now we see the climax of the Christmas story, and it's found in the crown. And so this is a different kind of crown. It's not the one that, he, that Jesus wore on Calvary. It's the crown that he will wear when he returns to earth. The crown represents the promised second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody once said, when Jesus came the first time, he came veiled in the form of a child. But one day, when Jesus comes again, he will be recognized by all. The first time Jesus came, a star marked his arrival. The next time Jesus comes, all heaven will be lit by his glory. The first time Jesus came, only a few attended his arrival. But the next time Jesus comes, every eye shall see him. The first time Jesus came, he came as a baby. But the next time Jesus comes, he will come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. Billy Graham ended his message with these words. He said, At the cradle, he was in a stall of an animal. At the cross, he wore a crown of thorns. But when he comes again, it will be as commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. He will take control of this war-weary world and bring the peace that we strive for and long for. A new world will be formed. A new social order will emerge. Sin will be eliminated. Tears will be wiped away from every eye. Disease will be no more. And even death will be eliminated from the human scene. Nation shall not lift up its sword against nation, and war shall be no more. This is the promise of Christmas. This is our hope. This is the Christmas star that lights our darkness. This is the assurance that a new day is coming through the Messiah whose name is called by Isaiah, the prophet, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is God's gift of Christmas, the cradle, his son, the cross, his life, the crown, his coming. And I'm looking forward to that. Amen? Amen. So tonight, I want to do in our growth work, I want to ask you a question that Billy Graham asked in one of his messages.
What does Christmas mean to you today? What does Christmas mean to you today? This is a question that Billy Graham asked. And it's a great question that we can ask. And we're going to talk a little bit about it after the message here tonight. And it's something that I'd like you to maybe talk about at home. If you're at home with your family or if you're at home by yourself and you're thinking about this, I'd like you to ask yourself that question and just write down, what does Christmas mean to me today? For me, I wrote down a couple things that I think of. The first thing I think of is hope. The meaning of Christmas is hope for me. There's a song by a band called Sidewalk Prophets. It's called Hope Was Born This Night. And some of the words say, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Let all the world sing the chorus of joy because hope was born that night. And I love that because no matter what you're thinking and no matter what you're going through, hope was born that night. We have that hope that Jesus Christ brings to us. So no matter what you're going through this Christmas season, whether things are going well for us or if we're in a season of trial and struggle, we have to remember the hope that Jesus brings because without Jesus, we don't have any hope. I remember a while ago seeing signs that said, no hope, which was N-O, hope, no Jesus. But then it said, no hope, no Jesus, K-N-O-W. So when we don't have any hope, we can have hope in Jesus. And so I love that message. When we are in Christ Jesus, we're no longer hopeless. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This living hope is the hope and promise of eternal life. It's not wishful thinking. It's knowing that through Jesus Christ, our hope, we can have eternal life. And we can have this hope because Jesus came in the flesh as a baby that first Christmas so that he could bear the punishment of our sins on the cross and then conquer death by rising from the dead. The first man, Adam, brought death, suffering, and the curse to the world through his sin. But the last Adam, Jesus Christ, will do away with all of those. One day we will dwell with him eternally in a place where God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. The former things have passed away and there shall be no more curse. And this is hope, my friends. This is the hope that Jesus brings to us. And we should be rejoicing in it greatly. This is the hope of every single individual. This is the hope of the church. This is the hope of the family. This is the hope of our nation. This is the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can have a new song in the air. One of Reverend Graham's talked about this in one of his messages on Christmas. He said, a world that has lost its song learned to sing again. With the coming of God in the flesh, he sprang in the hearts of the people. Led by angelic beings, the world took upon this refrain, glory to God in the highest and on peace, goodwill toward all men. This is what we need tonight, folks. We need a new song in our hearts. And we can get that with the good news of the gospel. That's my third point, is that the meaning of Christmas is the good news. The good news that at last the Savior has come to save men and women from their sins. Matthew one twenty one again says, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus was the central theme 
of that first Christmas. The star, the song, the gifts, the kneeling, the joy, the hope, the excitement, all of that was because of Him. Christmas is all about the good news. The good news that every single person deeply needs. The good news of God's love. That God sent Jesus to seek and save the lost. Christmas is the time when we celebrate Jesus' arrival on earth. The, the angels announced to the shepherds, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this, my friends, is the best news ever. Amen? Amen? But he is so much more than that. Not only is Jesus our Savior, not only is he our Lord, and not only is he our God who came to dwell among us, but he's also our friend. And he's the best friend that you will ever have. You can experience this good news. You can experience the gospel message in a real way this Christmas if you have not placed your trust in Jesus and experienced his love, his grace, his forgiveness. What are you waiting for? You can turn right now every part of your life over to him and trust him as your savior by saying, Lord Jesus, be my savior. Bear my punishment. Take my mess. Make me a new creation in you because you can be a new creation in Christ tonight. And so as we celebrate Christ of Christmas, it's not enough just to know about Jesus. We need to know him. We need to rejoice in him. And we have to go out and share him. Be like the original shepherds. Worship the baby who became our savior and make known everywhere the things you've seen and that you've heard over the hills and everywhere. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that you've given to us to study your word, Lord. I pray that we continue to rejoice as we remember and celebrate the wonder and the joy of the birth of Christ, the Prince of Peace who came down from heaven and dwelt among us, living the perfect life that none of us could. We thank you, Lord, for your Son, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your promises. Forgive us, Lord, for all of those times that we're rebellious to you and your word. And I pray that you rekindle our hearts and our minds so our focus is on you and all that you have done to, for us. I pray, Lord, that our faith will continue to grow and that we see a, you move mightily in, the, in our lives and in the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And now may the hope of God fill you and with all your joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining us and I hope to see you on Sunday.